Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and blessings and welcome to another installment of the Gist of Freedom of Space. This show is produced by acclaimed historian, educator, and author, Leslie Gist, and serves as our weekly live online discussion to celebrate the African-American experience by honoring all the people, past and present, black and white, who, with faith and focus, are preserving our rich history through literature, the arts, the skilled trades, and the humanities. We thank you for joining us tonight, and we'd love you to be a part of tonight's discussion by calling in with your comments or questions to 347-324-5552. Hello. Hello. Rebecca Johnson. This is she. Great. We've gotten through all the technical difficulties. My name is Roy Paul. I'll be guest hosting this show, filling in for Ilyas Shabazz, who is selling books, I believe, in Las Vegas, Nevada. I hope she sells a lot of them. Today's sponsor is Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken audio entertainment and information. You can listen to the audio books whenever and wherever you want, including however you're listening to this broadcast right now. And get a free book when you sign up for a 30-day free trial at www.audiobooksblackhistory.com. It's an honor to be joined with Rebecca Johnson, who is a healthy food advocate, uh, and she is on a mission this summer to help people eat right and stay fit. Ms. Johnson, would you please tell us how you first got interested in having a healthy living lifestyle? Well, uh, Roy, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you asking that question because I love to tell my story. Uh, actually, I had a pre-cancer diagnosis back in 2000, and that was uh, actually going to lead me into a fourth surgery for the same condition. And I ended up, uh, through uh, someone else, learning about plant-based whole foods, uh, heard the cancer word and got scared into action, changed how I ate overnight, and after that, uh, completely healed, and here we are 14 years later, and um, now this is what I do for, for a living. And I know that somewhere along the line, having a healthy heart or heart disease is something that's very important to you. Uh, yeah, well, you know, it's uh, what you find out when you change how you eat, Roy, is that all the little nagging problems that you had, Uh, Everything from allergies to uh, high blood pressure to um, having a low iron or low hemoglobin and then, you know, very specific things like uh, skin problems, all of that are actually, they, they are actually based on one simple thing and that is really what you're putting in your mouth. You know, there are many environmental risks um, which do impact health. But for the most part, what we're finding, and the reason that you're even on talking to me right now is because healthy eating has become so popular. It is one of the most popular topics in America right now. And why is that? Because people have found that it's really lifestyle that makes all the difference. So when you're talking about eating healthy, when you're talking specifically about what tonight's topic is, which is summer food, then yes, you're talking about heart health. 
Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, the statistics that uh, even I looked at when I was preparing for this interview seem to negatively affect African Americans uh, as compared to our other ethnic counterparts when it comes to eating healthy. Why do you think that is? Well, uh, when you're looking at heart health and specifically, we're actually second to um, whites. But, you know, overall, when you look in our communities, if you look at the statistics, for instance, where we live, um, I live in Harlem, and, you know, that's where we met. And then if you look in areas like the Bronx, um, the rates of various diseases are very high, and it has a lot to do with uh, eating choices, but really, you know, that conversation is for another time because it becomes very political because it has a lot to do with uh, people's ability to uh, buy certain foods and what's accessible in their neighborhood. So it really has a lot to do with poverty as well. And that's why I'm so passionate about what I'm doing because if I can reach families, if I can reach individuals, and they can experience good-tasting, uh, great-looking, appealing, healthy food, then it, it exposes them in such a way that they'll begin to demand better in their neighborhoods. I live in Harlem, and so, you know, it's difficult for me to shop in Harlem for a lot of fresh vegetables. They're more available now than ever before, but still when you go outside of Harlem and places uh, like farmer's markets or uh, where I shop, which is really at the Park Slope Food Co-op in Brooklyn, then what you find is you just find more superior quality that's available. And we need to have that available in our neighborhood as well. So there are a lot of reasons, and one of them is definitely uh, political and uh, so you know, it's really about people knowing that there are better choices out there and then them being able to make them. Mm-hmm. So if, if you can for us, go through some of the typical foods that most people consume during the summer that may not be the best for their health and, and talk about some of the alternatives that they can uh, use. Well, right here, you know, I, I like to make it really simple. You don't need to be a scientist or a nutritionist, and, and I really thank uh, Michelle Obama for that, the first lady, because she took the food pyramid, which most of us were very aware of, and you had the little color areas that looked like a rainbow, and at the bottom they showed you pictures of food that you could eat, and it was all very confusing. But if you take a look at it again, if anyone's really interested, what you'll see is mostly what we were being told to eat was fat and carbohydrate. And so that's what people were doing. And it ended up with us being sick. So what she did is she created or had the you know, USDA create the MyPlate. And so the MyPlate is very simple. A child can understand it. And it's vegetables, whole grains, healthy proteins, which basically mean low fat um, in the plate, but also if you dig down and you go to usda.gov and you read about what the recommendations are for my plate, when it comes to proteins, they're actually saying that you can be a vegetarian and be healthy because beans used to be in their own category. Legumes used to be in their own category. But now legumes and beans are also in the same category with chicken or low-fat um, beef, or turkey, or pork, because it is a protein. 
And so the plate is vegetables. That, that's what we should be having the most of. We should be having whole grains, not refined grains, and healthy proteins, which are low-fat proteins, and fruit. And that's any time of the, of the year, any season, any day, um, and, and preferably at every meal, but it doesn't even have to be at every meal. Just as long as every day you're getting the expected amount of grams for your age group, and uh, of um, protein and, and whole grains and, and vegetables and fruits, then you're eating healthy. So we want to continue that, and we want to use that as a model right here when we're looking at uh, summer foods. So summer foods, um, we want to focus on lowering fat. That's what heart health is all about. Heart health is all about the fact that we're eating too much saturated fat and too much cholesterol. That's simple. And so where is the fat, saturated fat found? The saturated fat is found in meat products. It's found in all animal products, whether you're looking at milk or you're looking at eggs, you're looking at cholesterol, right? And so these are the things that we are concerned about. So how do you lessen the cholesterol, right? Because all of us should be concerned about it because one of, in four, one in four Americans dies of heart disease, one in four, and men more than women. And then 720,000 adults have a heart attack every year. So this is not just for some of us to think about. You know, myself, you know, my story that I just told you, I became um, someone who uh, switched to a plant-based whole foods diet, but that was because I was concerned about cancer. But as I've done that, and the, the more findings since that was 14 years ago, we're finding that that's really something that could benefit people who also, also are concerned about heart health. So at this time of the year, you know, I love barbecues. I love cookouts. Um, you know, we want to have fun and enjoy ourselves. We have the 4th of July coming, which is the, you know, Independence Day. So the season is upon us. But really when you look at barbecuing, you're really looking at a taste profile. You're looking at the sauce, the marinade, really which is making the dish. Of course, the charbroiling and the uh, grilling are how, the method of cooking it, but you're really looking at a taste profile. So it's really about recommending certain taste profiles for the food that you're using. And what's, what are some of the healthier taste profiles? Well, it's the taste profile could be on anything. So what I do is I recommend something called tempeh. And tempeh is uh, it's actually something that people who want to uh, uh, have an alternative to meat would use. Um, it's made from soybeans and other grains. I use a three-grain tempeh. And it's um, something that you can grill. You can marinate it. You can pan saute it, it. You can put it in stir fries or anything. But for the summer, what I do is I make a great barbecue sauce. And it's something that I take with me um, to other people's homes if they're having a barbecue or if I'm doing something myself, I make it. So tempeh is uh, made from soybeans that are fermented. 
and they're, it's very high in protein because that's always the question. I'm, I'm actually traveling right now, and I'm in Asheville, North Carolina, talking to you. I'm at my friend's uh, grandmother's house, and, you know, whenever I go in environments like this, people have a lot of questions about what I eat. Oh, you don't, you don't eat meat. Oh, how is that? Where are you getting your protein? And this is the whole educational process because we have learned that, unfortunately, that we only get protein from meat. And actually, there's more protein in certain beans and certain vegetables than there are in certain um, um, amounts of meat. So protein is not just from meat. So tempeh itself, being made from soybeans, has a lot of protein. But the best part of it is it's protein, so it fits into that healthy protein my plate area, but it's protein that's low fat. It's protein that's cholesterol-free, iron-rich, and very low in sodium. And so how, pro, uh, how tempeh is made is they take the soy and they don't process it. And so it's still a whole food. It's not a processed food. Because usually when you're looking at things like tofu, what has happened is they've actually separated the bean and they've defatted it. And so they've taken out some of the most vital parts of the bean. The tempeh, um, you know, patty or however you, you get tempeh, is actually something where the bean is soaked in its whole form until it's ferment, fermented. And so, of course, I recommend GMO-free soy. I definitely try to stay away from GMO foods. And this particular one that, that I've been using um, lately and that I've been recommending to a lot of people for this summer season has soy, brown rice, barley, and millet in it. Also, it actually has been shown that early studies um, for women who are postmenopausal, the tempeh has a lot of calcium, and it actually has the same amount of calcium absorption in the body as cow's milk, but without the fat and without the cholesterol. For so for people who are designed to improve even bone health, along with heart health, tempeh is something that's really worth paying attention to. And another major benefit of tempeh is that um, it is a fermented food. And so we talk about things like yogurt, right, because yogurt helps the digestive system. Um, we talk about um, having friendly bacteria. Well, all of that is because fermented foods have antibiotic agents, which actually fight disease and improve intestinal health. So tempeh is a really powerful thing. All you need is you need a great barbecue sauce. So some of the taste profiles for summer that give food a real summery kind of flavor would be things like chipotle or jerk seasoning or Caribbean seasoning or even some Asian seasonings. So you can take something like a tempeh and you can marinate it in a, a chipotle sauce and grill it or you can slice it and make it like chicken fingers even in, I, you know, just the look of it, right? Because we're used to, part of it is that we're used to seeing food even from a presentation perspective um, that it, it looks a certain way. So if I'm working with children, for instance, children are used to eating something like a nugget. So I'll take something like tempeh and I'll cut it in the same shape that a nugget would be and you know, have some great, like, low-fat barbecue sauce, and the kids love it. 
Interesting. You mentioned GMO. Is that hormones? No, GMA, GMO is gen, genetically modified organism. So you may have heard about Monsanto. And Monsanto is the company that uh, created Agent Orange. And right now there's all these um, they're, they're activists who are trying to inform people about what GMO is. And basically it's food that is grown in the ground, but they're not using original seeds. They're using seeds that have been modified. And what they're finding is they're testing these foods on um, rats, of course, because they don't test them on people, and they're finding that they're, they're actually changing the DNA structure of rats. And so we're starting to see um, that, uh, you know, people are, are believing, and of course there's research out there that there's a connection between these genetically modified organisms and certain things like um, ADHD or um, uh, one of the big things that keeps coming up is about fertility in men in particular. Um, and so people are really concerned. So what people want is they want food to be labeled. They want it to be known. Just as you see a nutrition label that tells you what's in it and um, how much of it is, it is there, just not just the ingredients, but also the nutrition facts, people want to see if a food is genetically modified or not. So they can decide for themselves if they want to purchase that or not. And that's the big fight. People are, are saying, well, you know, we, we don't feel it's that big of a deal, right, to have food genetically, um, to have food labeled or not. But some people do feel that, that that's really, really important. So the whole um, thing now, and please, you know, everybody listening, please be aware of um, your, your elected officials and uh, what, where they stand on GMO labeling. But that's the point. And so you can go online to the GMO project and you can read all about it. There's even a young person who's like eight or nine years old who has a, a Facebook page, and, and she's actually an activist about getting food labeled. Wow. So, so as a guide, when someone is in the supermarket and they're looking for products that may be a little bit healthier, what are some of the key words on the packaging or on the nutritional fact labels that they should be watching? Is it free or uh, low? Well, yeah, this is a big one uh, because there's – so many misleading terms. And so um, that's why if you look at my bio, I studied with um, uh, T. Colin Campbell who uh, wrote The China Project and it's out of uh, Cornell University, eCornell. They have a uh, nutrition program and it's plant-based whole foods. And they particularly... Um, you know, use that so people would understand. I'm plant-based. I'm not saying everybody needs to be plant-based. I am saying that everybody really needs to be concerned about saturated fat and cholesterol. Where You're not going to find saturated fat and cholesterol in fruits and vegetables. They're not in rice, whole grains, or pasta. So I don't worry about that as much, but I do want to educate people about that. But what you're really looking for is you're looking for whole foods. So um, most, most of our foods are processed. The best way to have whole foods is to buy them 
and cook them yourself. Because if you're buying even seasonings, when it comes down to seasonings, let's say for barbecue, and you're uh, buying a barbecue sauce or you're buying something, I don't want to name any brand names, but let's say you're buying a seasoning salt. These things are full of sodium and full of chemicals. So you're better off, you know, going online, looking for some sort of seasoning recipe and putting the ingredients together yourself, making your own seasoning. So when you're looking at labels, mostly what you're looking at is advertising. Mostly what you're looking at is marketing. So you'll see something that says um, uh, with whole grain. So someone might grab that from the shelf and say, oh, this is made of whole grain. But if you were to turn it around and read the ingredients, the ingredients are listed based on what is the highest quantity. So whatever the highest quantity is, that's what is first, and it goes down from there. So you might see sugar will be the first thing. Well, that tells you that this, whatever you're getting, getting ready to buy, whether it's a cookie or bread or crackers or, or you know, some sort of pre-made item, then that means that that mostly has sugar in it. It may even say, it says whole grain on the outside, but it may even say the first item is whole wheat flour. Well, whole wheat flour is still processed. It's not a whole, that's not whole grain. Whole grain is rice, whole grain is oats or quinoa or millet, um, and these are whole grains. And so it's really about the mystifying the labeling, the, the front of the box, the front of the container, and turning it around and reading the ingredients and reading the nutrition facts. But that's what you want. You want whole foods. And so whole foods are anything that has not been modified or, or processed. Mm-hmm. Maybe you can help me with something. I don't cook a whole lot, and, and, and that's another conversation, but the biggest thing that I have in my kitchenette that I think is probably more controversial is the bread. I have found 115 ways to use bread, whether it's with an egg sandwich or, um, you know, hot dogs or, you know, peanut butter and jelly, you name it, I have a way that I can incorporate bread. And I do believe that in some ways that has probably contributed to the belly fat that I have experienced. What is a way or what are some ways that I can get rid of the bread but still incorporate some of those small in-between meals so that I can prevent that belly fat? Okay, so what's the number one thing that you use bread for? Eggs. Whether it's making an egg sandwich or uh, frying the bread in the eggs to make French toast. Oh, I see, or French toast. Okay. All right, so, well, you know, there's nothing wrong with bread per se, right? Um, I would say, we, you know, the, the number one food in America is sandwiches. That's what people eat the most of. And then if you go down from there, sandwiches, then we're going to look at something like pizza, right? And so we think of we're going to grab something on the go. That's what we're going to grab. We're going to grab a a sandwich or or bread, I mean, or or pizza, which is bread. And so we are, you know, we love our bread. There's no question about it. Um, And it's quick, it's easy, it's fast. Uh, The problem with bread for us is how the bread is made. And one of the things that you want to look up is bromides. Uh, 
most bread has bromides in it. And bromide is a, is a toxic chemical. Um, it does all sorts of things to the brain. This is the real problem. Try to find bread in the supermarket without sugar in it. You'll have hmm. a very difficult time. Are full of sugar. And it's not that we need the sugar for anything except because if it has a sweet taste, because as Americans, we, we lean to sweetness. It's put there to sell the product. Uh, the other thing, and you talk about a belly, is there actually a book called The Belly Fat Diet. And it's all about gluten. And gluten is the um, grain that is in the bread. It's wheat, right? And so there are a couple different glutinous type foods, um, but wheat is the bigger one. And so gluten has a tendency to actually inhibit our ability to digest foods. So it begins to, if you think of the word glue, that's literally what it does, is it blocks the pores of the intestine for in a very simple way to explain it. And that's why we're seeing all this gluten. Gluten is really, when you look at wheat, wheat used to be something like short grass. Like when you see uh, green grass, that's what wheat used to look like. But it's been modified. Here we go back to the GMO, right? It's been modified over time into that long brown thing with this huge, huge seeds inside, which are difficult to digest. And so that's why we're having, hearing all about gluten sensitivity, that people now want gluten-free foods. It's because the food itself has changed. It's not what it used to be, and it's impacting our ability to really where we are with bread. Now, if you're going to get home-baked bread or you're going to get some sort of like specialty bread that you are, um, um, you know, from a bakery, um, then that's a different story. Um, but overall, for you to replace bread and the way that you're eating bread, that would be the first thing that I would recommend for you. I would recommend that you didn't purchase any more processed supermarket-type bread, that you would get yourself quality bread without bromide from a bakery. That would be number oh. one. So when I purchase bread, go to a bakery. And now that you say that, not to be political, but I don't even think, I can't even recall a bakery in my neighborhood. Um, uh, but you would suggest going to a bakery and getting a loaf of bread from there instead. And I would ask them to um, confirm for you that it's bromide-free. If it's a good bakery, they would never put bromides in their bread, number one. But you can ask them anyway, and, um, you know, they'll recommend something for you. That's number one. And if you're just generally trying to get off of bread, um, there are so many uh, gluten-free breads, gluten-free options. Uh, what I do because, you know, I grew up the same way. I mean, my dad was from the South. I grew up on, you know, pig feet, uh, hog moss, chitlin, cornbread, biscuits. I mean, this is the stuff that I grew up on. It's not the way I eat now, but... When I want to have something that's filling, then I will have some sort of grain. But I'll do something like oats uh, for breakfast. I'll have oatmeal with blueberries, which is very filling and keeps me for a long time. I used to eat oatmeal with a lot of sugar and a lot of butter and toast on the side. 
That was the way I used to eat. But now it's oatmeal with chopped almonds and blueberry and a little bit of honey. And what happens is this. This is the big difference there, is when I'm eating the blueberries with the nuts and the honey, I'm getting protein, I'm getting the honey, which has a lot of healthy properties. I'm also getting the blueberries, which is antioxidants and vitamins, and the oats, which is a whole grain, which is full of vitamins, vitamin B, and minerals. That is a very nutritious breakfast that holds me but gives me energy. But if I have oatmeal with butter and sugar and toast with butter, that is a meal that is going to actually take my energy. Now I've got too much carbohydrate, which breaks down into sugar, which creates fat. So just something as simple as that, as taking out the bread, adding in some nuts and some blueberries, which fills me up, not putting in the butter, using some honey, has made that same meal nutritious and really, you know, not harmful to my health, which is what's most important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I want to now kind of debunk a couple of myths. Um, whenever I go into the supermarket, if I want oatmeal, for example, and I'm a big fan of the instant oatmeal, take it out of the pack, you know, boil the water. Yeah. In terms of branding, is there a difference in terms of the quality of the food from one brand to another? I go usually for the cheapest instant oatmeal I can find, but if it's Quaker Oats or another popular branding, in terms of the quality, is there any difference? You know, it goes back to the plate, right? It's whole. If it's a whole grain, then it's fine, right? If you're buying instant oatmeal, that's just oatmeal that has been, you know, processed a little bit, but it's better than buying Fruit Loops or some sort of sugary cereal. If you're buying instant oatmeal, that's plain, then that's great. But if you're buying instant oatmeal that now has sugar in it and other, you know, additives, then there's the problem. Mm -hmm. Another myth, when it comes to your vitamins, of course, when you're eating healthy or trying to eat healthier, exercise and vitamins are important pieces to that equation. One a day vitamins, is that enough if you take just that one pill a day, or do you also have extra supplements in addition to that? Well, I mean, it it depends on which vitamin you're taking. I mean, you know, there are multiple vitamin companies, and it depends on your own individual health and what your needs are. You can certainly go to the doctor, and you can ask the doctor to test you. See what kind of calcium you have in your body. See, you know, if you have enough vitamin D, and most of us should be taking vitamin D, whoever we are, because we're not out in the sun all day. Um, which, you know, people used to be working outside and we're in offices in front of computers even in the evening. That's a problem with our children is they used to go out and play in the afternoon after school and now they don't. So most of us need vitamin D. But you have to know, uh, you know, based on whatever your doctor's report is, what you need vitamin-wise. Once you know that and if you can't get it in food, then yes, surely a supplement is needed. And a supplement would maybe something that's needed for a, you know, a short period of time. It's not necessarily something you're going to take for the rest of your life if you're low in something. I take vitamin D every day. I also um, take B12 every day because I don't eat red meat. 
And so red meat is, you know, B12 is one of those things that you can't really get in a, in a lot of places. So I take that, and I take um, in, uh, vitamin D, which all of us should. So the supplement itself is very individual based on what your needs are. Um, and so, yes, it depends on the company and the quality of the supplement. But I go back, I digress. We really ought to be getting our minerals and our vitamins from food. If you're someone like yourself, Roy, and you're talking about eating sandwiches and things, what I would say to you is I would recommend a couple things, and it just depends on you. You could get some sort of uh, green powder, and there are all kind of companies out there. I don't want to name any names, but there are many different brands and offline. If you want me to recommend a brand or two for you, I certainly will. But it's a powder that is dehydrated. So it has the vitamins and the minerals that come from the vegetables and the fruits. But you would put it in juice or you'd put it in water or you'd put it in a smoothie in the morning. So right away, because when you're sleeping, you're fasting. That's why it's called breakfast, right? It's, we're breaking our fast. So you're fasting for eight hours. When you wake up in the morning, that's why they say breakfast is the most important meal you can have in the day. You want something that's going to give you energy that's going to make your mind sharp. And so what you need is you need vitamins and minerals first thing. And that's why a green drink is really the best thing that you can have in the morning. Now, how you can get that is you can get it in powder form. I have my mother doing something. My mother's 80-something years old, and I have her drinking something like that because her appetite just isn't the same as it used to be. And she's not going to chew, you know, she, you know, whatever those issues are there to get her vitamins and minerals. So she's drinking it. So I would recommend something like that for you. Or there are several uh, 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 stores in the city who have juice programs where you can literally order um, different juices and they will deliver them to you or deliver them to your job. Or if you're somebody like me and you like getting in the kitchen, then I recommend you get a juicer and you start juicing vegetables. Why? I could not eat the amount of vitamin A that I am getting from carrots, vitamin A, which is great for skin, great for eyes, great for hair. I could not get that chewing carrots. I would, my, my, I'd be tired. My mouth would be tired. You know how many carrots I would have to chew? I'd have to chew like, you know, 17 carrots to get, you know, a glass of carrot juice. But I can get a glass of carrot juice, so I'm getting the same amount of minerals, right, the same quality nutrition from a juice. So somebody like you, I'm not going to tell you don't eat the bread because you're going to eat the bread. I'm saying like to transition, a type of transition plan is get quality bread, but add in there some sort of juicing. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. Um, as we wrap up, can you uh, just give some of the listeners some very basic um, healthy substitutes, whether it's small portion or large portions, uh, to help them lead a healthier lifestyle? Well, you know, the American Heart Disease, um, I mean, American Heart Association, um, and they, if, you can, if you want to look, if anybody wants to look on, online, they have some great recommendations. But they're really saying that people should, when they're grilling, they should really try to stay away from um, meats. And they're recommending fish or 
skinless chicken breast. And if you do do meat, only certain cuts, and you'll have to look on there for what they are, but always trimming the fat and having a rack where you can, you know, where the meat can drip. So that's for those who eat meat, right? Um, those who are grilling and, and, um, and, and doing any sort of uh, charbroiling, there are controversies out there about the gas and the charbroiling. And so um, if you really want to go all the way with it, um, I like a barbecue just as, just as much as anybody else does, but definitely I would recommend covering the um, grill with uh, some sort of, um, you know, foil um, definitely makes a difference. But for barbecuing in general, what you want to do is you, you want to marinate. So you can marinate vegetables. Um, you can marinate uh, the tempeh or if you want to do some sort of um, soy products, you can marinate that. But, you know, barbecues are really about side dishes also. And so some of the great side dishes, um, I made recently a French potato salad. And what's the difference between a French and American potato salad? It's very simple. It's made with mustard instead of mayonnaise. And so mayonnaise, which has lots of cholesterol and saturated fat because it's made from eggs, it's delicious. I actually made it for some fourth graders, and they were just begging for more. So it's all of the same ingredients that you would make with um, the, uh, the, the mayonnaise, but instead in using mayonnaise, you use the mustard, the vinegar, and, you know, the rest of the ingredients. Um, in terms of fruit, uh, one of the things that I love to do in the summer when I'm cooking is put anything on a skewer. Put anything on a skewer and it <laughs> makes people happy. And one of the main things that you can put on a skewer is fruit, like pineapple. Pineapple is so good grilled. Even nectarines and plums and peaches, believe it or not, because they're so sweet when you grill them, they caramelize and it gets like a little, you know, that little like char on the outside, which is really, really good. So it's really all about the side dishes. But as I was saying in the beginning, the taste profile would be, you know, something like chipotle. So that's, you know, if you think of the, the restaurant Chipotle, where are we looking at? We're looking at guacamole, right? We're looking at black bean, and the taste there is to have a little spice, um, and cilantro is a great seasoning to use right now. And then also jerk seasoning. Um, you can purchase a jerk seasoning, a really good quality one, or you can make your own um, jerk seasoning. And then, of course, you know, some sort of um, Caribbean uh, food, which you can use like um, uh, a plantidose, and you can have some sort of jerk seasoning on them, and then, you know, Asian, which is always like sesame oil or um, um, uh, a good uh, nama shoyu or a, a unfiltered soy sauce is good. And so we're just cutting back by not using um, a lot of fat, fatty foods, so you're doing more fish and lean meat, or if you're like myself, you're not using any of that and you're substituting completely with something like a tempeh, but you're still getting those flavors. If people want a great, simple barbecue sauce, they can email me at info at because I have a great barbecue sauce that I make, 
and I'll be happy to share the recipe with them that they can use on any of those things, including including vegetables and even um, the pineapple, which I had mentioned, which can be grilled. Another thing that I like to use in the summer is pesto. A friend of mine had a barbecue last week, and uh, we got some uh, zucchini and some squash, and I cut it the long way instead of the short way so we could lay it out, and I made a herb pesto, and pesto is just basically made from basil and parsley with olive oil and some walnuts, and you just put it in a food processor real fast. It takes 10 minutes to make pesto, and it's with olive oil, so it gives it that fattiness that we like, right? Um, and so then mm-hmm. we, just, we just spread it on and grilled it, and it was delicious. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. So just as a recap, that test that you take at the doctor's office to find out in terms of your vitamin intake, is there a specific name for that or you just make up an appointment? No, no, no. It's actually something that they do when they take a blood test, but they don't also Hmm. always share it with you. Ah. But it's the report that comes out when you take a blood test. What what doctors doctors will do sometimes is they'll take the test, they'll look at it, and they'll say to you, oh, you know, you need more vitamin D because they're looking at the test. But you can ask for a copy of it yourself. Yes. I've always wondered what the heck that long piece of paper had on it. <laughs> because they don't share all of it with you. They share some of the glaring things that, you know, that would make the difference between life or death or something. But some of the little well, things sure. that you. Unless, of course, you're seeing a nutrition doctor. If you're seeing someone who specializes in nutrition, or nowadays some doctors are taking more of an interest in nutrition. And so they will look at the amount of minerals or vitamins you have in your body and they'll consult with you about that. But you could ask your doctor and if they don't know anything about nutrition, you can take that report to someone who does. Ah, very, very useful information. That was very glaring, actually. And I will actually, I just had a blood test not long ago, I will go and get my report and I will see if they still have it, which they should, and I will take it to someone who can help me be better with it. Absolutely, because really that's the key to health. The key to health, Hmm. Roy, is knowing your own body, right, and not letting your body be a mystery to you anymore. And so knowing your own body is really, everyone is the same in the sense that what makes hair grow right, is vitamins and minerals, skin, your, your blood, right, it, it moves through your body, it has iron in it or hemoglobin, it moves through um, certain um, capillaries, the capillaries themselves, the strength of the capillaries is based on certain minerals and vitamins in your body. So that's why, you know, those of us who work in in this industry, one of the things that you'll hear a lot is eat color. Why? Because if you look at red foods, they're good for the heart because they have certain vitamins in it. What is that vitamin? It's the thing that makes it red, right? The vitamin A makes it that color. If you look at green foods, If you look at yellow foods and purple foods and white foods, like you look at garlic and onion, what reason that onions make us cry is because there's a certain gas in there. This reason that that, um, 
not the kind of gas we put in our car, right? The reason garlic is the way it is and it has such a pungent smell. Well, they're anti, it's an, that gas has an antiviral property, and that's why our eyes start to water because it's actually doing what it's supposed to do. So if you think of color and you're eating lots of color on your plate every day from blueberries in the morning to dark green leafy vegetables, which are actually the most nutritious food you can possibly eat ever, are dark green leafy vegetables. That's why I try to get some kale in myself every day, even if I'm running. Trust me, I'm running, I'm traveling, I don't always have time to stop and cook, but I will find myself kale somewhere in a smoothie, in a drink, in a salad, because it is the most nutritious food you can eat, any sort of leafy green vegetable. But it's really about eating an array of color, because if you're eating an array of color, you're getting an array of vitamins and minerals. And that's a simple way to become more healthy and eat more nutritiously. Wow, Rebecca Johnson, that was excellent. You you have no idea how enlightening <laughs> that was. Uh, I hope and, so. Uh, we're, we're putting it out there in the universe for you to be on Katie Couric or CNN, so we're giving uh, health advice to people. That oh, everyone that's great. Really, yeah, I'll, I, I received that, Roy. Yeah, everyone really should have access to that type of information uh, because, it, it, you know, when you know better, you do better. That was a quote from Oprah, of course. That's right. But, um, I think and for me, true. that was the main thing for me is that I got sick and I found that I could be healthy, that I didn't have to continue to be afraid, not just sick, but to be afraid of being sick. And it empowered me. And that's what I'm trying to do is empower people to take their health back. Mm-hmm. And so for people who want more information, you, you mentioned a, a, an email. I'm assuming the last part of that is the website, plantrichlife.com. Yes. Yes. Plantrichlife.com. All right, and we'll be sure to put that into the link that's embedded with the, the completed audio track of this interview. Rebecca Johnson, it was such a pleasure to be speaking with you. Hopefully we'll Thank have you Lord. back on again to talk about some more healthy alternative lifestyle choices that people can make so that when they know better, hopefully they will do better themselves. Yes. Well, happy Independence Day. Thanks for having me on. Yes, thank you so much. That was Rebecca Johnson, healthy activist, nutritionist. She is really on the money when it comes to the advice that she gives about how everyone can live a healthier lifestyle. Uh, Just as a reminder, as I wrap up here, today's sponsor was Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken audio entertainment and information. You can listen to their audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Get a free book when you sign up for a 30-day free trial at www.audiobooksblackhistory.com, www.audiobooksblackhistory.com. I'm Lord Paul Fulham and Thank you and good night.